0: Now it's time for Inspirational Women and my guest, Amy Ross, the author of Permanent Marker, a memoir, where we meet Amy in her various roles of mother, teacher, wife, daughter, victim of an intoxicated driver who nearly ended Amy's life. But she is a survivor, and we're really fortunate that Amy has a passion for writing and that she's been so open in sharing her story because there's so much to challenge and inspire us, so much to encourage us. So let's just meet Amy and learn more of her story directly from her. Amy Ross, good morning, and thank you so greatly for being with us today.
1: Thank you. Good morning.
0: I am so grateful uh, that we have this opportunity to connect, Amy. I am just so enthralled, I guess, and amazed by your memoir, Permanent Marker, uh, just totally bowled over by your story and your honesty and really the the truth that comes out in this. I think uh, any one of us can really gain so much of it. It's such a gift. So thank you so much for being committed to writing this story.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that.
0: So, being that you went through really hell and back, I kind of think, all that you went through, starting with a divorce uh, just over 10 years ago, around 10 years ago, Mm -hmm. that went on. Okay, we might relate to that. I mean, the statistics are there. But then soon after that, you have a heart attack at just 41 years of age. Now, that's pretty stunning, isn't it?
1: Yes. I mean, and... And what was interesting to me at the time was that as the doctors are questioning me because they told me I had the perfect heart attack, as they're explaining what happened and they're asking me all of, you know, the normal questions, you know, do you do drugs? Are you a smoker? If you are, how much, which I'm not, Um, you know, what's your stress level? Like, well, I'm a teacher. Oh, that must be a lot of stress. No, not really. I love my job. As soon as the words came out of my mouth that I had asked my husband for a divorce, it, it was like this kind of like this roll of the eyes and I, oh, okay. Like that made sense to them. And so I was concerned right away, like, you know, heart attack, that's bad. You have to change your entire, if you make it through, you have to change your entire life and, and eating habits, especially. And, and here I had no blockage. They found that the, The heart attack was caused by stress and high blood pressure, so they put me on medication for the blood pressure, which I'll probably have to be on for the rest of my life, and then came cardio rehab to learn how to deal with the stress. So um, very very interesting to have to, after being a teacher for so long, and a mother to have dealt with stress before, and this was such a different kind, uh, you know, to, to have to watch over my heart from then on to protect it because because stress can do horrible, horrible things to your body.
0: Absolutely. And that is such a key thing. Again, that's part of the story that I think is a big piece of it that needs to touch all of us as women is that there's always been such a focus on men and heart attacks, but women, we suffer from that just as greatly and it's different.
1: Yes. And I think I think I could be wrong with my statistics, but when when I was doing research for the book, I do think that I think cardiac or cardi sorry um, disease of heart disease is number one killer of people in the nation. Yes. And um, so and there's this there's this other thing that I did write about in the book, and I think it's very intriguing to talk about even if it's not the case for me, and that there is such a thing as broken heart syndrome. And it affects women more than men, as a matter of fact. And if some major traumatic event happens in a woman's life, it can cause the same symptoms that a heart attack can. Now, I did have a cardiologist uh, within the last two years who he didn't confirm that that's what went on with me, but he said what I had was a cardiac event. And so there's been some question in my mind ever since then, almost did I cause my own heart attack? You know, was I so overwrought by what was going on that I caused the broken heart, in other words. But then again, they've also said, Well, I no, you did have a heart attack, it just didn't do much damage to your heart. So I think that women have to be very aware of of not just heart disease, but again, to go back to that stress angle and what we hold inside or what we let affect, of course, you know, you really can't, when, when something is traumatic to you, you know, is it, how do we control ourselves? I I don't know that that's, that's feasible either.
0: Well, I found it so intriguing, that piece of it, the broken heart, it completely Mm -hmm. made sense to me. Yeah.
1: I remember when I I – I don't even know why I started to research it. I do think I was living in the hotel at the time, so it was after my heart attack. And looking up something like broken heart, heart attack, I don't know, and it led me to this. And I thought, oh, my gosh, there's no way that's a real thing. And sure enough, and it's been studied more and more and more. Um, And when I had the doctor a couple of years ago, I I told him, I'm like, well – I've been working on a book and I've been doing some research and, and I understand that broken heart syndrome is a real thing. And I think that's what I had. And he just kind of, you know, nodded his head at me and he said, he said, well, there is something to that and it does look like you had some sort of cardiac event here.
0: Um, And then he just kind of turned it into what I continued,
1: you know, needed to continue working on. So.
0: But the fact is that yes, it was a cardiac event, But it could have been caused by the stress of the broken relationship. And so it still is a factual thing. And, yes, you have to do all the right things to heal the heart again. Right. Right? Yes.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, of course, broken heart syndrome says that you don't need as much time to recover. And they had let me out of the hospital after a few days. I mean, I felt really good after I, I got out. I did go through cardio rehab. I was the youngest person in the entire uh, rehab facility, but it was also very beneficial. I learned so much that I didn't know before that in terms of taking care of your heart.
0: Right. And and just getting more physically healthy, right? Yes. Yes, yes, absolutely. So that is the piece, too, that I found analyzing this you know it's just as as a former English teacher but nowhere the caliber that you have of achieved Amy but the way we <laughs> like to analyze things and and oh, as yeah. a, you know so I looked at that that you know that happened you got really strong and healthy because then it came this really third uh I'm going to call it a disastrous event in your life a really traumatic tragic car accident
1: Absolutely and there are times when, you know, you don't want to ever think that, well, you, it just depends on what you believe, whether you believe that, you're, that your life is planned out or I don't know, or things happen for a reason. But had I not gotten healthy through the cardio rehab, I don't know what that car accident would have done. It was five months to the day of the heart attack that the car accident occurred. And I think now in retrospect, that I had a stronger, healthier body that could sustain what happened. Because if the young man that hit me had been driving anything other than what he was, which was a Mini Cooper, uh, oh. I think probably I would have been dead. I don't know. The, you know, the car the car was strong enough to withstand enough. But I had doctors looking at me. I had my brother looking at me. People saying, you know. We don't know how you live through what you live through. And so I like to think that that cardio rehab is what, not the cardio rehab necessarily, but having the heart attack, to have the cardio rehab put me in a place where I was able to sustain what I did and come out of it alive.
0: right. And you were already into a regimen of being more physically fit and doing what needed to be done. So as I read what you had to endure with a, a broken foot and what was there was something with your left arm too, that was, yeah, mm-hmm. fractured, broken, it's just phenomenal. And yet to be able to make yourself sit up and begin to walk, what was it just in a month's time you were able to go to rehab?
1: I know, but you know, when I go back and think about that, we, as we talk about it, I think I think yeah, it's so awesome that 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 horrible accident I had well over a dozen fractures and I think at one time my brother and I counted 16 maybe. Um and I my whole the whole left side of my body because it was it was a, an accident where where I was T-boned. So his car hit the left side of my my whole left side of my body was pretty much, I won't say destroyed because it's still there, but it was, that was the part that was injured. I was not able to use my left arm or my left leg. And so when I, when I go back in time and I think, wow, I rehabbed in less than a month, but at the time (laughs) it was excruciating. You know, I, I couldn't do anything fast enough. I just would think, well, sure I can sit up, but I couldn't, or well, sure I ought to just be able to to get up out of the bed. I mean, it's only been a week since the car accident, but my body had turned to complete mass at that point. Uh, And I was healthy. You know, I was, I was working out three to four times a week and at at least walking, if nothing else. And, um, and in that much time, that accident just you know, destroyed what I had already worked on, and so I feel like it, I was relearning, you, you know, how to walk again. I had a walker that I could only use with my right hand, and then I don't know, two and a half weeks after the car accident, found out that my right wrist was broken too, and had the nurse saying, "Well, you're not going to be able to use that," and but I, I kept, I remember arguing, "Well, but I've been using it." You know, it's just a chip fracture. I can, I can, this is the only way that gives me freedom. Um, So ah, that was such a, it was such a difficult time that it seemed like those hours dragged on. And yet here we are now. Oh, it was only a month's worth of rehab, which is very lucky, you know?
0: But exactly, but I can appreciate, and you do such an incredible work, an incredible job in sharing those details, but not in uh, any kind of grand, what, graphic way, but graphic enough, descriptive enough that I would say each minute or each hour may have seemed like a month long. But in total, it was just a month until you went, uh, were able to go, right?
1: Yeah. You know, and as an English teacher who does teach creative nonfiction and other people's stories, and sometimes you read someone else's experience or I'll read it and, and I'll think, man, I was so lucky. But at the time, I really wasn't thinking that. I, I was just thinking, dreading everything and why, can't, why isn't this going faster and, and I'm better than this. I can do this quicker and, and I couldn't, you know, there were limitations and things that were out of my control. That uh, I wanted in my control, but I just couldn't.
0: And that's where I appreciate, and I feel any and all of us can appreciate this writing, your memoir, Amy permanent marker, because of the way that you describe that, and, you know, the anger, the impatience, the it, those honest emotions, um, sometimes we need to read someone else's experience, I feel, to give us that kind of permission for whatever it is that we might be dealing with, because we may not have the same story, but they're similar stories. And, and I think by sharing them, we, we really do help each other, don't we? Oh, Absolutely. I mean, I,
1: I feel so very, very strongly about the fact that, and it probably took going through this for me, you know, well, okay, I'm trying to think, and my brain's going 100 miles an hour, I'm sorry, <laughs> um, but every person, everybody has a story, and, and I hate to say this because it sounds like a, a doomsday or Debbie Downer, if you don't have a story, you will, And it's, I think it's sharing the stories. What can we learn from each other to help us get through our own? And how can we make sense of this crazy life that we're all living, that we're all asking the same questions about, to be honest, you know? And I mean, I've had people ask, like, what is your goal in writing this book? I have students in school that are like, are you trying to make lots of money so you can be a millionaire? <laughs> no. You see, that doesn't happen with writing. It's <laughs> right. like with teaching. It's more about having this story happen to me. And I've always wanted to write a book. I have a deep respect for writing as an English teacher. But it's like life handed me the story to share. And I wanted to share it with people to to be inspiration of some sort, you know. And And inevitably, of course, people will share their stories with me. I know that because of of what I have to tell.
0: And you've no doubt experienced that already because on your website, and we should mention the website since I'm noting it right now. Tell us your website.
1: Okay. um, It's a blog, and it's amyrossblog.wordpress.com.
0: And so in looking at this, I've seen responses and comments from people. So already the book is is really very, very new. So congratulations right. on having it published thank you, now. Thank you. You're welcome. So it's already resonating, and it's getting responses. And we'll find what we need to. I think that's what literature is all about, right? Is, oh, I absolutely you, agree. Yeah. And I, I think what's really exciting for me
1: because it has come out a little earlier than it was supposed to, my students and I teach upper I teach upper high school, so juniors and seniors primarily. They saw the box of books that had been delivered to my room for an event a couple weeks, and all of a sudden the floodgates open. Can we buy your book? Can we buy your book? Can we buy? Will you accept a student discount for your book? <laughs> and but but the thing is, they're finishing this book and they're saying to me. I don't want it to be over. I, I, want, I want to read more. And, and they're asking questions. And so I've got teenagers that are responding in a way that I didn't know was going to happen. And at the same time, the few adults that have read it, some of them that I don't know uh, that are posting reviews are saying, this is the book that I needed to read. And it's so very touching to me that the book is doing what I had hoped that it would that it would reach out to people to maybe send this message that no matter how bad it is, no matter what you're going through, you can get through it. You really, truly can. You may not know that, but I'm here to tell you that you can.
0: And. There, that spark of hope, that inspiration is what all of us need. It's kind of like you're, I'm going to use the term guardian angel, or you could be our fairy mm-hmm. godmother, uh, Cinderella. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's oh, it. Oh, you
1: brought up Cinderella.
0: Well, isn't Cinderella. she very special to you?
1: Absolutely. And, and so you know, what I can tell this while we're talking about Cinderella. In some of the book's very first iterations, I was trying very hard to make it into a fairy tale. I felt like my story matched my most admired Disney princess from way back, and so that I could see it turning into what it, the tragedy that had happened to me and coming out of that tragedy and rising from the ashes and become something better. And it's funny because the I mean, and I'm telling you, like I had chapters that were were titled fairy tale elements and. Of course, there's my wonderful husband, who I was calling Prince Charming all along, and, and it just wasn't working. Um, and so, I, But I thought, oh, I can't leave Cinderella out of the story. She has to be there. And so it was fun to tell the story of, of the Disney Teacher Awards back in 2004 when I met this one Cinderella on the red carpet and she ended up disappointing me greatly because she flirted with my brother. She could only get away from me too quickly to flirt with my brother.
0: Ah, <laughs> uh-huh. and there's the harsh realities. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. But there is that element, you know, if we want to look at it that way, in terms of uh, the fairy tale where there is these harsh things happening, the harsh thing was that crash. I mean, it was just horrid. And I think the elements of that, too, are an important story that I'm glad the teenagers, your students are reading the book and wanting to read more because what happened that crash didn't have to happen, which is why we really right, don't want to right. call it even an accident, because it was, it was something that could have been prevented.
1: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, to, first of all, let me go back to the fairy tales real quick, yes. because it's easy to joke about, but, but I did a lot of very serious research on fairy tales, and having trauma patients retell their stories as fairy tales is a form of therapy. And that's what hooked me early on. It had nothing to do with the book. It was me writing and finding out that some people in psychotherapy, fairy tale psychotherapy, I think it was, is allowing somebody to tell their story in that framework allowed them distance and to process it. And I could see that happening with myself. Oh. And so, so I, you know, even though I joke about it, it was something that I could see helping me. Mm-hmm. And okay, so then to go into what you're saying how the the accident didn't have to happen, you know, it's a difficult thing to talk about because no one's perfect. I'm not perfect. No one is. Right. But the young man that hit us made a choice that night, and that choice was to get high and get in his car. And he ended up dying as a result of his choices. But he absolutely could have killed four other people.
0: Right. And that is something that we're seeing happen too often today. And mm-hmm. yeah. uh, we, we just need to keep talking about it. I feel that in Permanent Marker, as you talk about what happened, again, it just so underscores the tragedy of that and the need to make changes. And hopefully this will touch enough people that will start a ripple effect to make better decisions decisions have better judgment.
1: I hope so. I mean, because, you know, I've been in schools now for, well, the same school for 26 years. And at one time, I was the students against, it was called Students Against Drunk Driving at the time. I think they've changed it now to be Students Against Destructive Decisions. And even back then, it, it it's so crazy to me that we focused on drunk driving, when students are doing, unfortunately, a lot more than just drinking. And I did a lot of research on marijuana use and driving and students are more likely, I shouldn't say students, okay, teenagers are more likely to be involved in fatal accidents if they have been smoking marijuana. They're more likely to wreck their car if they're driving. And not only that, he also had another drug in his system, which would have amplified the high. Right. So it wasn't just, you know, I'm not on a crusade against pot. I just think that that we need to talk even more to kids. We can't let go of the idea that if you're getting into a vehicle, you should be sober, bottom line, because you can not only affect someone else's life, you could end your own. And that's the most important thing. You know, he has a mother and a father and it's horrible to me. I just, I can remember the moment my brother told me that he had died and I, I it, all of a sudden, everything changed in that second because all of a sudden I was afraid that I knew him. And then it was a 19 year old kid from a neighboring district. And then I thought, oh my God, it was a 19 year old kid. And oh, it's still hard to wrap my mind around. Yes.
0: Yes, a life unnecessarily cut short just by mm-hmm. making poor decisions. And right. and that's the kind of thing that um, with this book, with Permanent Marker, it's, uh, again, so wonderful that the teens are really rushing to read it. It's so great, I think, in book groups and mastermind groups. Uh, this is going to be so great to use right. in that way, right?
1: Yeah, I hope so. One of my students that has finished the book already, she came into class today and she said, is today the day we talk about the book? I want to talk about the book today. I can't wait another day. I got to talk about it. And and I said, is everybody ready to talk about the book? There were several students that are still reading it. So no, we have to wait. And she says to me, man, we are going to get deep. We are going to get into this book. I want to know stuff that you didn't put in that book. And I think, um, okay. <laughs> but you know what? Teenagers are teenagers. And... I find that being honest with them is it's such a good thing, you yes. know, they they give it back to you tenfold then.
0: Yes. Yes, think of how this is so important in shaping their life and their futures and again, you know, how is that going to really expand into a, a brighter future?
1: Wow. Thanks for saying that. I mean, it just just thinking about what you said a second ago about the students and reading the book and responding to just, just the part of the story of the 19 year old boy, um, which I know, I know, I know that, but just to hear you say that and consider the discussion that can be had from that. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think it would have been crazy to be in high school and have an English teacher who had written a book, much less one that I wanted to read. Right. You know, that would have been great. So it's funny because I've been joking around with them. It's, you know, well, they say teenagers don't want to read books anymore. So you know what? I decided to write one that you would want to read. And I did it. And
0: they just laugh. They just <laughs> laugh at me.
1: They're goofy English teachers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but they obviously are loving you and loving class. And again, that's what we want them to do is is just to right. be, catch that fire. You're right. You're right.
1: You're making me tear up right now, thinking about it. Yes, I love those kids, and they're responding in the way that I had hoped that they would. So, and I have to say this too: I've had now it's only it's only three. That's not very many, but I've had three boys, mind you, from last year's senior class that have come to school to get a book (sighs) from me, and you know, the graduating class was only around, you know. 85 or 90. So that's not a very big percentage, but it just means so much that, you know, I say, hey, what are you here today for? Are you here visiting? And nope, came to buy your book.
0: (laughs) Isn't that just... (laughs) I want to read your book. (laughs) That's so exciting. It just... I think so, yeah. Yeah. You have to be glowing. I am. I I am. I'm sure you can hear it. I do
1: want to... I should probably clarify this because I've been talking so much about teenagers. I did have uh, a woman sent me a message on Facebook, and she said, Amy, is your book for adults or is it for teenagers? <laughs> and I said, oh, no, it's, it's a very adult book. I mean, I, I'm going to be speaking to our, our entire student body, 7 through 12, in a couple weeks, and the focus is going to be on the writing process and substance abuse and driving. But there are parts of the book that I think that are um, a little heavy, mm-hmm. particularly for younger students to have to deal with. It's, it's definitely intended for adults. I just want to make that clear. I didn't write a a young adult novel. But anyway, I just felt that I should say that.
0: Well, thank you. Because having read Permanent Marker, I do believe it's for adults. But yet, junior, senior, high school, um, I think today these kids are mature enough that, you know, this is good content for them. And especially looking at uh, the substance abuse aspect of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yes. But, uh-huh. but just life in general. And I think they can come out better prepared or have a little more of that realistic tinge uh, added to the yeah. rose-colored glasses. Right. Right? I agree. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been just so wonderful to connect with you, Amy. And well, to, thank you. You're so welcome. Thank you for, for your work. And I hope that uh, you feel that there's another book here in you? In fact, I think uh-huh. on your, uh, as I read the blog, you're mentioning that, that uh, you've, you have been doing other writing. I
1: have been, yeah. And the kids, you know, like I said, not just the kids, I've had other people get a hold of me and say, what's next? What's the next book? I want to <laughs> read some more. And so all of a sudden, now when I, when I really want to just take a break and relax a little bit, I'm starting to go, hmm, do I have another book in me? What might that be? Should it be about teaching? I've had some people say, no, we want to hear more about Jackson and your romance. <laughs> well,
0: <laughs> maybe that fairy tale comes through finally, right? That's right. Yes. That's right. Well, thank you for such uh, incredible writing, such a, a gift for us to use as inspiration for conversations or just for our own self. I think that there's a, a way that this has so much healing to it and it's very thought-provoking. So uh, again, Amy Ross, it's been delightful to have you join us. Thank you for being you and for sharing with us. Oh, thank you so much. And with that, we are at the end of a very full hour of Inspirational Women with Amy Ross and Sunday Morning Magazine with Gail Luxemburg and McClovia Varner from Habitat, For Humanity, South King County. I'm Kate Daniels, your host, and I greatly appreciate your sharing this hour with me and these special guests. For details you might have missed or information you'd like to know, please... Just send me an email, kated at warm1069.com, and I will get right back to you. Also, if you'd like to listen again or share these important stories with your family and friends, find the podcast on our Warm 1069 webpage. Click on the on-air tab and look for the show and guest names. I now wish you and your family a day of considering how we can all pull together to create the life we want to live. Have a week of the same and then please plan to join me again next weekend for another hour of Sunday Morning Magazine and Inspirational Women on Warm 106.9, the station to pick you up and make you feel good. Good morning.